it's so screwed up that there's even talk about starting from scratch. So I don't know how that company actually ran six months ago or a year ago. I mean, it just seems like it had too many people, too many freebies and, and, and crappy code. It, it was, but yet it was so beloved that it, it managed to keep going. And I think the reckoning came when the new IT came, team came in and looked at what was there and realized, you know, we thought Elon was buying a, you know, a dog. He was buying a pig and a poke. I mean, he's, he's got real challenges ahead of him. And issuing $3 billion worth of stock is not going to make existing shareholders real happy because that's going to dilute this. That's going to dilute the stock and probably lower the price. Well, right. A price that is, I mean, who thought that this was a company worth $44 billion in the first place? And I think that's part of the problem is there's so much debt uh, and that price is so high. He's chasing that dollar figure the whole time. So I don't know who would buy in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, January 27th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. My name is Mike Malone, and I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman, technology reporter for NBC News. Our producer is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove. And our host, as always, is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, Scott. Uh, Tech earnings season. We we've been through a number of these over the last few years, uh, once a quarter. What do you think? The big four tech companies: Amazon, Alphabet, Apple, and Microsoft. They've all had a pretty good start in 2023. Uh, in fact, Amazon is up; its stock is up like 15 percent. So they're not; they haven't really been punished by, for the, doing those layoffs. In fact, I think they're getting rewarded for trimming down. Um, but this boom hasn't extended to the rest of the tech industry. In fact, with if you add Berkshire Hathaway to those four, um, they now represent 19% of the S&P 500, way above the historic percentage of 15%. So the big guys are getting bigger and bigger and doing better and better. The rest of the industry is not. What do you think? I mean, does this auger something unpleasant in the future? Well, you know, the, the larger tech gets, um, you know, they say the bigger they come, the harder the fall, the bigger they come, the harder they fall. And with tech, it's interesting, you know, the Microsoft earnings came out just barely after their layoff, and the numbers were pretty gigantic. And so I think, like you said, companies are not being hurt, but rather rewarded for trimming the sales, and maybe admitting, hey, we grew too big. And so the stock prices are actually kind of on a rebound for some of these companies like Microsoft and Apple and Tesla after the earnings came in better than expected, even after they cut anywhere from five to 10% of their staff. I think people on Wall Street like the fact that these companies are trimming. They do understand that they're just gigantic and the numbers that are coming in earning wise and profit wise in a lot of cases are gigantic. Um, and yeah, so the concern going forward, I think is, and I hate to say this, but did these companies cut enough or if there is a real downturn and we haven't seen a real downturn in the economy yet that a lot of people feared, what will happen to these tech companies that are propping up at least the West Coast economy with so many employees after they, in some cases, doubled over the last couple of years? 
Yeah. Well, you know, there, there seems to be some trends emerging out of this. One of them is there's a growing movement to start breaking up these companies. I mean, we just saw the uh, Justice Department say that it's going to sue Google to divide to divest its advertising business. Now, my first question on that was, where were they 15 years ago when Google essentially stealth stole all the advertising from the publishing industry? You know, I mean, if ever if ever there was a monopolistic action, that was it. And now the Justice Department in in the 2020s is getting around to a problem that killed most magazines in 2010. Right. I mean, I think it's very legitimate for the publishing industry to say now, now you're worried because Google is taking market share away from Twitter, is taking market share away from, you know, some of these other tech companies. But yeah, I think it's it's an agency that is trying to show it has some fangs for the first time in a while. And that might be awkward. It looks like some of the targets are things that people are rolling their eyes at. But at the same time, um, the idea of looking at big tech, I think is really going to have a big year. I think largely because of TikTok, because if there's one thing we've learned that will bring both sides uh, together, the left and the right, it's the fear that China is A, either taking over or B, spying on us. And all of those things come together in one company, and that is TikTok. And I think it's going to get a lot of uh, a lot of eyeballs, a lot of regulatory looks this year. Um, and so I think that agency is just trying to show, hey, we're still here, and you need to fear us because you haven't in a long time. Well, I mean, it's an interesting question. If they were to start forcing these companies under antitrust to break up, would it really be as damaging as people? people seem to think it would be like, oh, we break up Google and then we lose the search world. But in fact, oftentimes these big companies get broken up and the pieces do even better. And it becomes a much more competitive situation. I think we've gotten so used to and jaded by these giant companies propping up our economy, giving us a competitive edge over the rest of the world that we're fearful of touching, of doing anything that might hurt them. Right. And, you know, some of these big companies came as spinoffs. I mean, that's how we got Intel. That's how we got a lot of these companies. You know, um, Twitter was even part of something else and, and sort of spun off. These companies, you're right. We've gotten used to them being so big and so independent, just independent of any regulation. Um, but you're right. There's this sort of, you know, fear I put in quotes of breaking up big tech but I think it may even work not only for the consumer that might have more competition and therefore better prices, uh, but even for the tech companies themselves that if smaller and hungrier will do more innovating instead of just sort of plodding along like a lot of these big tech companies have done, they're cash cows, but they haven't really turned out all that much that's new. Right. And, you know, if I, if I was in a startup, I would, the last company I'd want to compete with is one of these giants. I mean, you're you're just a tiny mole and there's this dinosaur sitting there. Yeah, maybe in the long run, 50 years you'll win, but right now they are impregnable. You know, the only people that can hurt them are is the federal government and their own giant competitors. That's it. Everybody else is kind of just debris right now in Silicon Valley. So we'll see. Uh, if we have we saw the first announcements, what Microsoft came out 
just came out with their numbers, right? Right, and they looked amazing. And um, Tesla came out with their numbers, and they were mind-boggling. I mean, we were talking about all the trouble at Tesla and everything else, but wow. Yeah, I mean, Tesla really, I guess, you know, because you say Tesla, you say Elon Musk proved people wrong about how his distractions uh, with Twitter would hurt that company. It turns out they're still selling a lot of cars. They're still building new factories. And uh, perhaps because of those earnings, and we talked earlier about how, you know, earnings were something that often helps Tesla to say, hey, you think we're just sort of this company that's turning out a few cars. It turns out we're, we're turning out a lot. Their stock is up 50% in a couple of weeks. I mean, 50% in a couple of weeks. And that's On a you base know, heard, that unbelievably high in the first place. Right. And and granted, it did fall a, a lot. Uh, granted, it lost close to two thirds of its value, but it's really recouped a lot of that simply because I think it managed to turn out a whole lot of cars, even while Elon Musk was both in court and at Twitter trying to, you know, do whatever he's doing with that company. Uh, so there's something to be said maybe for getting that machinery going even if your CEO is off somewhere being distracted um, yeah. and, you know, there's news, there's excitement around the company. People are talking about them sort of revamping the look of the cars, new factories, new batteries, that sort of thing. And that's why they needed this earning report. How big was the, uh, how valuable was that price cut? Is that what's bringing people out to buy Teslas right now? You know, honestly, I don't know if that factored into the current earning report because it was so recent, but anecdotally, Yes, people are saying, I mean, everybody I know is saying, well, I knew someone who was sort of on the fence and now they're going to jump in because it costs less. And significantly, it qualifies a lot of those cars for the EV rebate um, again, which, you know, Tesla did, but then they sold too many and they stopped qualifying. Now, I believe some of those cars do qualify again, it says on the website. And that's pretty significant because one thing the government wants to do is to get more clean cars on the road. And, you know, whether you're in California or the U.S., that's the goal. And so I think one thing we'll see over the next few months is even more Teslas rolling around. The question is, are they going to upgrade the look? Are they going to come out with something new? Um, but uh, but it was a really good quarter and a really important quarter for them, I think, uh, to yeah. sort of assuage the fears of investors that had built up over the last several months. Yeah, pick themselves up and dust themselves off and get back in the game all the way. Well, um, so what are the predictions? I mean, a lot of people are saying the reason the stocks are doing so well is because even if their quarterly numbers aren't great, the expectations aren't that high right now. It's like, wow, you're actually profitable this quarter? Cool. Yeah, we're dealing with a layoff cycle that is unlike most layoff cycles. These layoff cycles, you know, most layoff cycles are because companies are really suffering a downturn. I think this layoff cycle is they're looking ahead and saying, maybe we grew too quickly over the last couple of years, and that could lead to a knock on our profits. But boy, when these numbers came in, they were really strong. And, you know, you've got backlash now at companies like Google for saying, hey, they did this layoff all wrong, and they're still a cash factory, and why am I being let go? And, you know, that's that's not all that unexpected, but uh, this was an unusual layoff cycle at a time when it seems, at least, that companies are doing well. Now, they still fear higher interest rates, and that is why the stock market isn't, you know, taking off uh, quite as, as much as it could. But um, But fear and uncertainty always hurt the markets. And layoffs lead to fear and uncertainty. So it's it's kind of a toxic mix right now. 
uh, going forward, at least for the time being. But those earnings were, I think, a lot better than a lot of people expected. Yeah. And if I was one of those those Google children that got laid off, I might be a little upset. We'll talk about that one in a few minutes. But meanwhile, as long as we're on Elon, as always, uh, there's a couple of stories there. He, again, had a rather busy week. Uh, it was announced that Twitter is considering selling up to $3 billion uh, in newly issued stock shares in order to uh, pay down the debt but from arising uh, uh, from the acquisition. $3 billion worth of shares is quite a few shares. Yeah, Twitter is, I think, by all accounts, in financial trouble. Yeah. Um, it's auctioning off items, uh, which is a weird thing. I went on the website to check out some of the items, and they were tables I sat at. And like, hey, here's where I interviewed Jack Dorsey. Someone's buying this table for $1,000. It's kind of a weird feeling. Um, they're being accused of not even paying their rent. Um, yeah. They've obviously cut a ton of staff. Uh, so, yeah, the financial situation. Well, there's more than that. A recent report came out. Uh, somebody was allowed to go inside of inside of Twitter, even talk to uh, Elon. And apparently the code is a mess. It's so screwed up that there's even talk about starting from scratch. So I don't know how that company actually ran six months ago or a year ago. I mean, it just seems like it had too many people too many freebies and, and, and crappy code. It, it was, but yet it was so beloved that it, it managed to keep going. And I think the reckoning came when the new IT came team came in and looked at what was there and realized, you know, we thought Elon was buying a, you know, a dog. He was buying a pig and a poke. I mean, he's, he's got real challenges ahead of him. And issuing $3 billion worth of stock is not going to make existing shareholders real happy. Because that's going to dilute this. That's going to dilute the stock and probably lower the price. Well, right, a price that is. I mean, who thought that this was a company worth forty-four billion dollars in the first place? And I think that's part of the problem. Is there's so much debt, uh, and that price is so high. He's chasing that dollar figure the whole time. So I don't know who would buy in to a stock offering right now at that valuation. Which it seems like he would have to sell at that valuation to make any sense of his purchase price. But people know that's a company worth maybe a quarter of what he paid. So that's a tough situation. I, I I don't know how financially Twitter goes forward. I'm impressed that the product itself is still rocking and rolling and, and news yeah. is getting out there and, and you know opinion is getting out there. But financially, it just seems like a big mess made messier, far messier by a purchase price that is is just far above any anybody's justification well i think he maybe elon's doing the one thing he can do which is stay in the public eye as much as possible so everybody's thinking about twitter and maybe he can prop up and look what steve jobs did for years with apple just his return brought up the price of, a, of a, what was then a company dying and he, he kept it high enough that he had enough liquidity he could do these incredible new products all through the first years of the century well believe me five years from now if we're still talking about Twitter and it's strong in any way whatsoever, um, people will compare it to Apple under the job days, no doubt. Absolutely. Okay, Elon was also in court and, uh, on his funding secured tweet uh, about, potential, about uh, potentially taking Tesla private in 2018, which caused a lot of people to lose a lot of money. Um, 
He said he only tweeted that that to merely to share his thinking with shareholders and that he intended to convey that funding wouldn't be an issue. I think funding wouldn't be an issue is not the same as funding secured. Right. I so mean, I, I've been in a semantic difference. That's that's a real difference. Right. I was at the San Francisco Federal Court for his testimony and um that was the back and forth between the attorney for the for the uh the person suing Musk or the class action suit against Musk and him uh, Elon Musk himself on on the stand and that is really the sticking point not so much considering taking Tesla private at 420 but funding secured um and that is according to the lawyer uh grilling Musk why people bought in and then when the deal fell apart um you know that's uh that's the crux of the lawsuit Musk saying no I was just considering this uh, and ironically, you know, saying people don't pay attention to me on Twitter, you know, uh, yeah. and uh, Even though we just discussed the fact that people have to take him seriously if Twitter's probably going to survive all this. Well, you know, even before he said people don't take me seriously on Twitter, he was asked, why do you tweet? And he said it's a great way to communicate both with customers and with investors. So yeah. you can't say that and then say, but I don't expect them to pay any attention to me. I'm only the boss. I'm only the rich guy. Um, you know, and uh, so uh, again, this, this is a, case basically. I was just being transparent. I'm the good guy in all this. I want to share information with my shareholders. Unlike those other nasty corporations, I put it right on the table in front of. Them. Right, and that is a lot of what he said, and that leads to people saying, "But if you do put it out in front of you, that's a public statement. That's something that's actually, you know, um, actionable." And that's why he's in court. And I don't know which way this will go. It's it's interesting to think if he had done this, say, as a press release to CNBC or Bloomberg or something, uh, it would be significant. We wouldn't even be talking about whether or not this is significant. But the idea that he tweeted it, um, I think going forward, people are going to talk about this case. It's it's significant. It's important. Yes. And um, I would be surprised if the verdict comes back somehow that, nah, you don't have to listen to tweets. They don't matter. Uh, because that's how people now put stuff out in the public, and it's how they communicate with their employees and investors, as Musk himself said. But I, you know, you got to have people checking your stuff. I mean, way in the antediluvian world of Silicon Valley, when I was in PR at Hewlett Packard, even before I became a newspaper man, one of my jobs one quarter was to put together the press release announcing quarterly earnings for the company. I got the information from lawyers. I wrote it. It went back through four layers of lawyers and management before it went out because of the terror of getting one digit wrong could cause the stock to be, you know, trading suspended on the floor uh, of the stock market and stock crashing and everything else. We had all these safeguards in place. And now we have this system that circumvents all the legal safeguards. And Elon is now the poster boy of shooting your mouth off without double checking the legal ramifications of what you did, especially on a financial matter. Right, right. And it's not his first time at that, oops, I shouldn't have tweeted something rodeo, but I don't know at what point he learns, but it'll be interesting to see what comes down because of this time yeah. at the rodeo. Yeah, I, th I think legal precedents are going to be set this time. Okay, quick ones. Uh, Amazon turns out it's going to lay off 261 people 
in uh, basically Silicon Valley. But tellingly, it's also closing its 29-acre still unused Silicon Valley office. They were going to build a big campus with a warehouse and everything else. <clears throat> they still have one in Tracy over the hill. But to basically pull out of the valley is uh, an interesting move. You would think they'd leave some kind of presence here. I wouldn't be surprised if they still, because they have a few offices in Silicon Valley already. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they keep a presence here. Um, but, you know, Amazon is all about that bottom line. And yeah. so much of what they do is the warehouse and the factory and the, you know, the servers. And it's, they're just cutting so much um, human capital, it seems. Yes. And this is an expensive place to put humans. Uh, Silicon Valley. Their rents are high, the buildings are high, the costs are high, the cost of living is high. And uh, so given that Amazon is really a software delivery, you know, <laughs> company more than anything, um, yeah. I'm not that surprised that they're sticking to Seattle and then where they can put these, these, uh, you know, warehouses. Not yet warehouses. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, meanwhile, the streaming bloodbath continues. Uh, Comcast, uh, said this week that its Peacock service should experience, quote, this is a scary phrase, peak losses this year. So it it already lost uh, $560 uh, million last quarter, but this quarter they're going to lose $978 million, and they think it's going to get worse through the year. Now, is that a statement about just Peacock and, and its content, or is that a a larger statement about the, the state of streaming through this year. What do you think? I mean, I'll take that in, in one way. First to mention that I'm a, you know, yeah, you employee of Comcast. Uh, yeah. They own NBC as well as Peacock. So that they pay That's my salary. Record show. <laughs> right. Um, so, and, but obviously any decision on Peacock is made a, a million pay grades above me. I think for the streaming in general, um, you know, we saw Netflix have layoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw Disney, I mean, a huge uh, uprising there. They've changed bosses. They've got the old boss back. They're trying to, you know, stem the losses of streaming. Um, streaming has gotten so big uh, and so important for these companies uh, that I think we're at a point where it's not just, hey, we're not just generating cash here. We need to catch up with the demand. And that means all of these companies, whether you're Netflix or Disney or, I mean, Apple, look at the, the content they're bringing in and spending money on. Um, and that costs a lot of money. And now there's a lot of competition. So uh, yeah, I mean, these companies, as we're seeing in real time, have to figure out how to make those divisions profitable because those divisions are so important because this is how people are getting their content, especially young people. But look at the headwinds, not just that everybody's doing it and that everybody's committed and spending a lot of money, but they're all competing against social media, especially TikTok, for young minds and the hours that people spend instead of streaming a show, watching TikTok videos. And that is going to be something that, I mean, they just have to deal with that uh, and deal with it fast, I think. They're losing the kids. They may have lost the kids already. Now, but this seems to me a little different though. Netflix did the layoff kind of early and then is now announced as building a big new fancy production facility and all that, spending real money. You could say, Disney, they're suffering from the decline and death of the of their Marvel franchise. You know that was their money machine. Peacock seems more like plumbing of content. So if they're hurting this badly, 
does it say something more? I mean, is this a is this now a generational shift that we've done streaming now? We're moving on to something else. It's hard to say. I mean, other than social media, where yeah, young people are spending an awful lot of time on TikTok or you know Minecraft and things like that. Um, there's just so much competition for the eyeballs of young people. Um, but, uh, you know, look at the last couple of years when people didn't go to movies, but they still watched a lot of movies and streaming became less of a backup plan. Oh, it's too expensive to get a sitter or, oh, the weather's bad, we'll stream and became sort of the de facto. The first thing that people reached for was their streaming service. And I'd put an S at the end of that, the plural streaming services. So they need to figure out a way to make money and survive because they've become so important in our lives. This kind of reminds me of the 1950s with the death of uh, the apparent death of movies as television came along. And, and movies finally figured out a technological solution as much as anything else. You know, is that going to happen this time, do you think? I mean, can you prove content enough? that you're going to get the kids to come back. I'm not sure you can. Maybe there's that killer program out there that does it, but I don't see it yet. I don't know. Young people have also traditionally gotten bored of everything, right? So, you know, MySpace turned to Facebook, turned to Instagram, turns to TikTok. Um, and movies have always been around and, and, you know, television shows for that matter. There's always been programming. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, TikTok has got its time in the sun. How do they figure that out you know they can monetize it with advertising but they also have significant uh opposition both politically and you know culturally people are coming down on them can the entire, they somehow the entire states are starting to ban it right not to mention government agencies saying you can't use it because of the fear of chinese spying so and there's so much value to be unlocked there in a potential american ipo but you've got to separate that and i don't know if if ByteDance, the company that owns it, is willing to do that because of the cash cow factor. But in America, I know there are you know, people who say we've got to get this to be somehow an American product, take it public, bring all that money and grow and turn this into the next trillion dollar company. You can yeah. see a pathway, but not with all of this concern about spying and who gets okay. data. That assumes TikTok's masters will allow that to occur. And that's a big question mark. Yeah. Okay, uh, real quick, they unsealed the uh, new bankruptcy documents in about FTX, and we now know who FTX owes money to. It's quite a list uh, of suckers, basically. Uh, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, uh, the, new, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, commercial airlines, including American, United, Southwest, and Spirit, as well as several big tech players, including Netflix, Apple, and Meta. That was a pretty successful scam. Well, yeah, I think everybody wanted to get in on this. And there's this fear of missing out. But I can pretty much guarantee, and I know some of these people, you know, you talk about the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, before they invested, they didn't talk to their business reporters. <laughs> because those guys, like me, would have said, this is a bad place to put your money. It's a risky place to put your money. And I think everyone was just, you know, whether you're a big bank or a media company of any sort, you're just worried about missing out. And you're watching the commercials with Tom Brady and Steph Curry. And I don't know, I get all the hype, but it's still very dangerous no matter how it's packaged. Well, this is a small time, you know, 
shopkeepers and, and retirees putting up their money. These are people it's really hard to feel sorry for who had armies of lawyers and analysts that should have done their due diligence and they didn't. You know, they kind of, it's their fault. Sorry. It's a different world. And, and it's interesting that this is happening at the same time as that Musk, you know, funding secured trial, because on the one hand, you do have these big, well-lawyered financier types investing. On the other hand, you have a trial where people who are just, you know, putting in some of their savings and trying to make a better life for themselves are saying, hey, we were screwed too. And it'll be interesting to see how much of the, I don't know, of the court system gives back to investors or says, you know what, it's it's true. We need to regulate these companies before they can take your money. Or if they say, you just need to be more careful with your money. It'll be interesting to see which way that goes. I'm curious about those big media investments because with, maybe we're going to find a paper trail someday where a couple of stories that were negative about FTX were spiked because management didn't didn't want anything negative about that company that they had money in. We'll see. I mean, I don't like media companies investing in corporations. You know, I mean, look, the 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 stories about FTX have been brutal and they were yeah. brutal in these organizations before we found out they invested in them. So good for them for at least, you know, telling the truth on what was going on. Um, yeah. but right, shouldn't you also say, "Hey, we invest in this?" I don't know, maybe so. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, couple quick things. One, Intel's shares dropped on uh, bad quarter results, and they're predicting even more bad quarters. You know, I don't know what to say. I mean, we don't talk enough about Intel anymore because they're the sick man of Silicon Valley, and they don't seem to be getting better. This has gone on for years now. Nope, they're still getting their lunch eaten by Qualcomm and NVIDIA, yeah. and even to an extent, and whoever thought that this would happen, AMD, um, yeah. Intel's just not as relevant by a long factor as they used to be. They need to figure out how to get in the game in the, whether it's streaming or, you know, mobile, they're just, they're not there. Right. Okay. Um, another small item, but we have to talk about it because you covered the story, you know, Google of course laid off 12,000 people. Well, the company had an all hands meeting earlier this week. This is why you don't want to be a CEO. Everyone thinks, oh, that'd be great to be a CEO, travel around the world. How would you like to be sitting there and listen to all of your Gen Z employees complaining that they need psychological protection from the ramifications of a layoff and they want to guarantee that they wouldn't be laid off too? All clamoring in this, in this all-hands meeting and you're sitting there as the CEO going, uh, why did I take this? Why did I take this job? I could have been a caterpillar tractor. Uh, I mean, it's it's a very Google has become kind of the canary in the coal mine about the implications of Gen Z employees and this kind of what we saw ten years ago or five years ago in colleges and universities has now moved out into the business world, and Google being you know the cutting edge on most things is now the cutting edge on this cultural phenomena of fragile young people. Uh, for a lot of these people, it is their first downturn, their first layoff. And, you know- Welcome to the bigs, kids. Right, right. This is the welcome to the bigs, absolutely. And finally, uh, one piece of good news, I think, but we'll close with this. 
Another Valley firm we don't think about very often, but it truly is. It was started here. Chipotle. <laughs> Did you read this? They're out with a new campaign to hire 15,000 full-time and part-time employees. They're actually hiring during this period. And you know why? In anticipation of their busiest time of the year, which they call March to May, by the way, which they call burrito season. Now, did you know there was a burrito season? No, I think you know, tamales at Christmas, but no, there's actually a burrito business season. Maybe so. Maybe that's Chipotle created that. But look, you can't knock Chipotle. This is a company, essentially a fast food company. They're a forty-five billion dollar company. Look at their stock chart. If you want to be blown away. It looks like the most successful tech company of all time, and it's Chipotle. And they've weathered bad situations, you know. People they've had some bad situations, yeah. And they come back, and they—it's—it's it's an amazingly, I guess, well-run company, and and stuff's good, and they just crank it out, and good for them. It's an amazing success story. So, raise a question: Would you rather be the CEO of Google or of Chipotle? Good question. Probably. Um, Chipotle, I want to learn about food. You know, as I was reading that, I thought, you know, I could use a tamale right now or, or, or a burrito. It's a, a little too early for burrito season. Uh, maybe you go with tamale and then go burrito. But I, I, sh I eat at Chipotle all the time. So I can't complain, you know, bully for them and they're hiring. At least they're offering jobs. Yes, somebody is good for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage, as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, LinkedIn, and of course, YouTube. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.